You are listening to This World of Humans, a science podcast focusing on the interface of biology and social science, coming to you from the podcast recording studio at John Jay College in New York City. For more information about today's topic, visit visionlearning.com slash T-W-O-H. Hello, you are listening to This World of Humans, a podcast where we ask the question, why are we the way that we are? I'm your host, Nathan Lentz. Sam Anderson is your producer. And today we're going to talk about air pollution. Sam, do you know what a telomere is? I have no idea what a telomere is. <laughs> all right. Well, the telomeres are these little pieces of DNA on the end of all the chromosomes we have. You probably have heard that we have, uh, you know, 23 pairs of chromosomes. Sure. Well, the end of them are these little things called telomeres. And what this new study that I'm going to talk about today has found is that the end of the chromosomes, the telomeres of kids who are exposed to air pollution, get shorter. Shorter? Shorter, that's right. And, of course, this is going to have some consequences. This is going to mean something to these kids. And um, this new study comes out in the Journal of Occupational Environmental Medicine. And it's a connection between our health and air pollution in a really direct and measurable way. And that's what excited me about this. So you're saying that these kids... Um their telomeres are getting shorter. Like, what What does that mean? Like, why, why should I care about their telomeres? Well, the telomeres sort of protect our chromosomes from damage on the end. Um, and so we have this sort of extra long DNA on the end of the chromosome so that if it gets shorter for a little while, it's fine, but then it reaches what's called critical length. And when you get critical length, when you hit that too short um, of length of DNA on the end, you actually, uh, the cell starts dying in a sense. It goes into a, a, a state where it just doesn't work anymore. And so what we find is, is we, we find telomere shortening in, in all kinds of diseases uh, related to inflammation, cancer, mm-hmm. all, all kinds of sort of bad outcomes where, where the cell stops working. So air pollution and the connection to health is, is known. It's obvious. In fact, I have a statistic here According to the World Health Organization, about 3.7 million people die every year uh, because of air pollution. But we don't always know how or why. It's not, right. it's not obvious. Uh, and, and it's hard to understand long-term consequences versus short-term consequences. So this study uh, is a sort of a first of its kind to connect a very specific kind of air pollution, and I want to talk about that, uh, with a very specific health outcome. In this case, the, the, sh- the shortening of telomeres. Yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm thinking about is is what you said. We've known that like air pollution is bad for us. Okay, we know that it's not good to be breathing in the exhaust of a car, and that's why we have like emission standards and things like that. But what is new about this study? That like how does this further the conversation? It does because we can now zoom in on exactly what's happening on the cellular level. So we know if you in- inhale fumes, it's bad for you. You can even feel bad. But we don't have our noses in the tailpipe of a car very often. But what we do have is slow, long-term exposure to small amounts of these pollutants mm. over years of time. And so we need to understand exactly what damage that causes to our cells. And that's what this study attempted to do. And it looked specifically in children and adolescents for a couple of reasons. Um, I think we're all more worried about what happens to kids than we are adults mm. in general. But also kids are more sensitive to pollution. They're more The damage can be more long-lasting. Um, when when a child is growing, so we worry about the development of our children, and um, I like this study because it attempts to get a real molecular mechanism. Mm. What really happens inside your cells when you're exposed to these carcinogens and other kinds of pollutants? What happens when you have a short telomere? So when a telomere gets too short, the cell senses that as it's at the end of its life. 
Uh, and so the cell starts to gradually shut down. That That's one thing that happens. Is that because telomeres shorten naturally over time? That's exactly right. So telomeres get a little bit shorter every single time a cell divides, potentially. Um, and so the more a cell divides, the shorter the telomeres get. And over time, all of us will have telomeres that get short and short and short. And that's a key part of aging in general. Mm. So in one sense, you could say that it's a function of rapid aging. So anytime a cell is more active than it, than it normally is, it ages faster. It's just doing more things. Cool. And who is our guest? Where, where did you find him? His name is John Balms, and he is at the University of California, San Francisco, as well as the University of California at Berkeley. Cool. Do you think our guest is almost ready? I hope he is. All right. Thanks very much for uh, joining us today, Dr. John Balms from the University of California. Uh, Sam and I have been talking about your study, and so we have a couple questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So um, in the in the paper you study you, you talked about a specific kind of air pollution, uh, and you you want to explain that to us? It, uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Uh, what are these compounds? Well, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, or PAHs, are produced whenever a carbon-based fuel is burned. So that can be diesel or gasoline. It also can be tobacco and wood. Um, it's also generated when we grill um, meats or vegetables for that matter. Uh, so PAHs are pretty toxic substances. Uh, the carcinogens in tobacco smoke, for example, are thought to be primarily PAHs. It's, a, it's actually a a group of compounds, not just one single pollutant. And ambient PAHs in Fresno are mostly due to traffic, diesel and gasoline powered vehicle emissions. Uh, when wood is burned during the winter, wood is another source of PAHs. So our group at the University of California Berkeley School of Public Health has expertise in measuring ambient outdoor levels of PAHs, and so we applied that expertise to our interest in studying the effects of air pollution on asthma in Fresno. And so you're looking at the effect of these compounds on uh, children and try to connect it to certain health outcomes, but how do you know how exposed a given child is? So is there a way to connect uh, their exposure to some sort of measure that you can take? Yes, so we, we've spent a lot of time trying to refine our PAH exposure measure or metric. A few years ago, we measured PAH levels outside of over 80 homes in Fresno, several schools, and then there's a central site in downtown Fresno that, where we have been measuring PAHs for, for a long time. And so we were able to create a surface over Fresno. We basically created a model of pH exposure based on all those measurements, the 80 plus homes, the several schools, the continuous central site monitoring. And so we can uh, assign a pH exposure to any uh, address, any geocoded address in Fresno. And it's not a perfect way to measure a child's pH exposure. The best thing would be to have some kind of personal monitoring equipment on the kid. Uh, but that's pretty hard to do and pretty expensive. So we've done the next, next best thing, which is to measure 
uh, pHs around Fresno and create a model of exposure that varies with space and time. And it's pretty good. So you have a, a map of Fresno and it, like a Google Maps of Fresno, but instead of putting on a satellite picture or streets, you can actually put on the exposure level to these PAHs. Exactly. And we can even have, uh, we use the size of a circle to to visually show how much pH exposure there is at a given uh, child's home. And so the bigger circle, the more exposure. Uh, and we can, we literally have, uh, you know, hundreds of kids' pH exposures mapped out like that. And I'm wondering, why are you specifically looking at children and adolescents? I mean, I have some ideas, but why, why did you choose to focus on children? Well, asthma is one of the most important health problems of children. And we, as, in a, as a group, have been long interested in asthma with rela relation to air pollution because there's strong evidence that air pollution does affect asthma, both causation of asthma and then once someone has asthma, exacerbations of asthma. And, and children don't have competing exposures as much as adults. Children aren't working in you know, dirty factories or smoking cigarettes. So they're a, a group that's susceptible to the effects of air pollution, but are easier to study in terms of isolating the effect of air pollution versus other risk factors. Now, it's true that telomeres tend to shorten as we age, and they shorten every time a cell divides, so to speak. Uh, could this be playing a role here? Are we seeing sort of an accelerated aging in these, in these patients? Well, that is the concept. Multiple studies have shown that uh, telomeres shorten with age and that there are certain conditions that seem to enhance that age-related shortening. And we reasoned, based on some literature in adults, that air pollution would lead to this enhanced shortening. Air pollution and uh, telomere shortening hadn't been studied before in children. So uh, that's where our, our study contributes to the literature. Our study as you know, is a pilot study. We only studied 14 children in Fresno, some with high exposure to pHs and some with relatively low exposure to pHs. But uh, to our knowledge, it's the first study of air pollution and telomere shortening in children. So let me ask you, how do you measure telomere length? How does one, um, I, don't, I don't suppose you just pick up a ruler and put it up to the <laughs> chromosomes. How, how do you measure the length of a telomere? It involves uh, isolating the DNA from the peripheral blood mononuclear cells and then um, trying to amplify uh, the telomere DNA at the end of the chromosomes compared to control genes. And then there's a ratio of the telomere amplification versus the uh, control gene amplification. And that ratio is a good marker of telomere length. So in a sense, what you're doing is sort of counting the number of copies of the repeat sequence in the telomere. And if you have a lot more copies, then you have longer telomeres, and you have fewer copies, you have shorter telomeres. Is that the, the sort of computational logic? Yes, okay. perfect. Okay, great. So um, your study, I assume, came out of a larger study on pollution and asthma, because that was where your participants came from. Uh, is that correct? Correct. And then a follow-up study of pollution in uh, kids, some of whom have asthma, but many don't have asthma. Yeah, I noticed that some of your participants had asthma and some didn't. Did you see a difference in the telomere shortening effect based on whether or not they had asthma? 
Yes, and it was in the direction that we expected. We expected shorter telomere length with the asthmatic kids because their DNA is under the, the threat, if you will, of oxidative stress from their asthma. And uh, in fact, we did see that they had shorter uh, telomeres. That's an independent of the air pollution effect. Now, I also noticed that a large number of your study per- participants were Latino. Uh, and why was that? Well, it's a, it's a feature of our recruitment in Fresno. Um, there's a large Latino population there. And we were recruiting uh, children through the public schools. And so the public schools that we were working with um, had a large percentage of Latino kids. So that's sort of a, it's a feature of our population from which we were recruiting. And we know that the racial demographics of urban centers are different than, for example, suburbs and exurbs. So the inner cities tend to have higher proportion of African-Americans and Latinos. Is that correct? That's correct. And so the lower air quality that we find in urban centers sort of disproportionately affects certain racial groups over others. Yes. And, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. In general, uh, African-American kids with African-American ancestry have greater risk for poor asthma outcomes. And, you know, some of that may be genetic. But some of that may be uh, related to structural determinants of health, uh, including ex- greater exposure to air pollution. So um, what is the perfect experiment that you could do? Or uh, let me, another way to say this might be, what are you planning to do next? The doctoral student, Eunice Lee, who was the lead author of the paper that we're talking about, has done a, a similar study with uh, a different patient population around the Bay Area that's an African-American uh, population. And she's looked at air pollution exposure and telomere length. Unfortunately, we don't have PAH data in the Bay Area but we do have some of the other uh, air pollutants like um, particulate matter and oxides of nitrogen and sulfur oxides. And she's shown some hot spots of uh, exposure uh, associated with telomere uh, shortening. That study isn't published, but uh, that study would add credence to the notion that air pollution in kids can affect telomere length, especially in kids with asthma. Right. And, and obviously there are multiple pollutants uh, from multiple different kinds of sources. They would um, interact, synergize probably. They would uh, cause different effects or the same effects. Uh, obviously a complicated picture, wouldn't you say? Yes. Okay. So I have sort of a final question here. Uh, what can we do about these polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons? Is this a consequence of combustion that we will always have to deal with until we sort of make a transition to non-combustible, you know, propulsion when it comes to cars? Or is there something we can do that's sort of along the right direction? Can we build cars to make less of them or can we filter them out? Do our our catalytic converters grab any of this? I mean, or is it just always going to be a problem of combustion? That's a great question, uh, which I'm glad you asked. Again, because I'm on the California Resources Board, uh, we push uh, the auto industry with regard to clean cars, advanced clean cars. So the auto industry is already making cleaner cars, um, and that's because of the California Resources Board. We have a zero emission vehicle mandate. Uh, If if auto companies want to sell cars in California, they have to produce a certain amount that are clean, and, and both produce and sell. So 
Nissan Leafs, Teslas, the Chevy Bolt are battery electric vehicles that are clean. Uh, and especially if the they're powered if their power comes from renewable sources, which California is also moving in, moving to in terms of solar and wind, then they're much cleaner and don't produce polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. There's also fuel cell vehicles. Toyota has the Mirai. It's only being sold in California now, but that actually burns hydrogen and emits water vapor. Uh, so no pHs are admitted. And if the hydrogen is generated from a uh, in a clean way, which can be done, uh, that's also a very clean, non-pH producing uh, way of powering our motor vehicles. We do have to get away from a fossil fuel economy. It's not going to happen tomorrow, uh, but we do have to move in that direction if we want to protect the climate and get the co-benefits on air quality. So we're already making strides in California. Uh, 11 other states Oregon and, 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 a, and, and a number of states in the New England region are joined with us to um, mandate zero emission vehicles. And uh, you know, half of the zero emission vehicles in the country are in California. Uh, we'd like to see that expanded. It will lead to improved air quality in uh, other locations outside of California, and it will benefit climate change. Okay, great. Well, this is a very good interview. We enjoyed speaking with you. And uh, keep up the good work and uh, look forward to seeing your next paper. Okay, thank you. This has been another episode of This World of Humans, a podcast and science education initiative currently funded by John Jay College, the City University of New York, and Vision Learning. For science educators, don't forget to check out our website for a wealth of resources to help integrate this episode and its featured article into your science classroom. Find us at visionlearning.com slash T-W-O-H.